0: What's up, friends? I'm Tara P., and you're listening to Positive Perspectives. Well, friends, how is it going this week? I hope you guys are off to a good start. I am just sitting in my luxurious podcast closet, also known as just my normal clothes closet. I am sitting on the floor, have my mic propped up, but I actually have the house to myself for a little bit, so I thought it would be a really good opportunity to kind of sneak off and do my recordings. So for this past week, all in all, it's really been a pretty good week, I would say. Starting off, we actually finally found out from our venue that we were able to get a new date for 2021. And actually things are starting to turn up and really almost be kind of a blessing that the wedding was canceled for this year. Which is crazy to say, just after you guys heard how I felt about things just a couple weeks ago. But we were able to get an August date, which is in the summertime, so there's so much Less stress we have to think about in regards to just the weather because here in Idaho, it can just be so sporadic, especially up in McCall where it's already a lot cooler. It could be a beautiful, nice, cool day, or it could also be a snowstorm up there at the end of September. I'm just so glad we don't even have to think about little details like that. So many more of our friends and family will be able to attend, and that's super important to us. And... Since we've had the new date, it just kind of feels like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Where, as before going into this planning, I just kind of kept telling myself, just take it day by day, take it day by day, don't look out too far into the future, which was definitely helping me get through those times. But it's not a very enjoyable, fun way to live, I guess. I wasn't really able to fully look at the wedding that was going to happen and really get excited with the countdown. I was like, don't look too far, just try and take things day by day. So, Overall, I just feel so much better about it. I'm just feeling really good and really happy about the whole situation and know that it will be a beautiful, amazing, special day next August. So for this week's guest, we actually have one of our good friends, Sean. And Sean actually, we came friends with us through Rance. He was his physical therapist a few years ago, and they became really good friends. And so Sean is actually not only one of Rance's groomsmen, but he's also going to officiate our wedding. So when he said he was willing to come on, I was so excited because I've known Sean for the past few years, but As I'm sure many of us could say, even if you've been friends with someone for a long time, you might not really know their whole life story. There's not many times that you meet someone and you sit down and you're like, tell me about your life. Where did you come from? What were some of your struggles? What are you most proud of? Like, those just aren't the typical conversations. You kind of find out about friends' life through bits and pieces of their stories, sharing about childhood memory or about someone that they're going back home to visit. And you kind of put the pieces together. But... It was so awesome to really take the time to get to know him, especially because he is such an important person in our life and will be officiating the most important day. So I was just so honored that he came on and was willing to be vulnerable. I just, I find that it's often hard for men to be vulnerable. So whenever we have a man that's willing to come on and share his story, I'm, I'm just so thankful that they're willing to not only know that about themselves, but be willing to share that with others and kind of help others in their journey. But Sean really talks about this week is kind of softening yourself. And I love the way he phrased it when he talked about it. And I think a lot of people might even do this without realizing, but I think it's something that we almost need to put more intention behind it. Just taking the moment to really be still, to really be present with yourself and with your thoughts, not about all the chaos that's going on around the world, not about what appointments you have later to get to, but to just sit there and to breathe and to ground yourself a little bit. And if you can take the time to do that, he's found that it's actually been able to help him throughout his entire life. It has benefited him in his work life, in his marriage, in his new role as a father, and just all of the benefits he's kind of learned from it is something that he didn't place an emphasis on when he was a child. So it's just It was just so cool to hear his journey about how he kind of got involved in it and just how beneficial it has been. And like I said, I think it's something that maybe people take the time to breathe and sit with their thoughts. But if we can make a more conscious effort, it will just make a greater impact in our life and just help us with those daily stressors and just give us some extra tools for those times that you need to just make that conscious thought. Take a deep breath and kind of pull out some of those tools. And it was actually really fun when I got to his place to do this episode. He asked me, like, Tara, would you be willing to do a meditation with me? And this isn't something that I usually do before my episodes, but I was like, of course, I'm down. So he burnt some sage around the room and put on a guided meditation for 10 minutes just about positivity. And after that meditation, it was like... I just felt so much lighter like I just felt like I was ready to go into the podcast I was excited I didn't have all that stress and all that fear that I often start off with and so it was just something that I was really thankful that he kind of opened my eyes to doing that and I was and I even told him that it's something that I will definitely try and incorporate more into how I start off my podcast because it makes me feel better. And if I feel better, I can be better for you guys. So even starting off this episode, I bought some sage. I burned some sage in the room. I took just a few minutes just to kind of close my eyes, calm my heart rate down a little bit and just fully get ready for this. So I don't know if you guys could tell if it helped at all, but for me, at least it felt better. So it's definitely something I'm going to start doing moving forward. And make sure you guys stick around for the end of the episode because when we were chatting before, Sean said he had something he wanted to share at the end of the episode. And so I was just like, great, yeah, I'll make sure and touch on that. But what he shared was just so special, so thought out and kind for Rance and I that I was just almost in tears when he was just speaking it. So Thank you, Sean, so much for coming on, for being vulnerable, for taking that time to make us feel important and thought about, and just know that we love you, and we're so excited for you to officiate our wedding one day. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode, so please sit back and enjoy with our guest, Sean. All right, friends, so today I have my good buddy, Sean, and how are you doing today, Sean?
1: Doing awesome. It's Friday.
0: Exactly. It's going to be a good day. But I'm super excited about today's episode. So just to give you guys a little bit of a background, Sean is actually one of Rance's best friends. And so I've kind of known him for the past few years, but we've never just sat down and really got to know each other's story. And I'm so excited just to learn about your backstory because... I feel so fortunate that you're actually going to be the officiant at our wedding one day. So whenever that happens, (laughs) but yeah, so it's just going to be awesome to like really get to know you, who you are as a person. So let's just kind of go back to the beginning and tell everyone who you were as a kid and where you grew up.
1: Okay. Well, again, like Tara said, my name is uh, Sean Paul Rutten and I'm originally from Incom, Idaho which is a very small town in southeast Idaho. There's about 600 people there, and it's kind of nestled in the mountains as you head uh, southeast towards Utah. And uh, just a really small town full of a lot of good people. There's a grocery store, a church, (laughs) and a sweet ski hill.
0: And is your family from there? Like, how did you guys end up there?
1: So, my mom and my dad are both from Minnesota, and my dad was traveling to Salt Lake for work at one point, and he actually flew over Income and he looked down from the plane, and he was like, what is that little town down there in the middle of those mountains? That's unbelievable. It looks like a little bowl of mountains down there. And so, he kind of made a note in his head, and then once he got back to... Minnesota he kind of got the maps out and said where was that where was I flying over what was the flight path and so he finally goes oh there is a little town there and that's called Income and so I think he had an uncle who was in Idaho Falls who was a surgeon and my dad was a physical therapist so he wanted to look for somewhere to do work and so once he found out that he could work in Pocatello he was like all right we're, we're taking the family all my family on both sides are still in minnesota and we're kind of the only ones who just took off and and went out to idaho kind of on a whim
0: wow and how old were you when you guys moved there
1: i hadn't been born yet so my brother was born i think my brother was actually born in north dakota and he may have been three years old and then right as we moved here i was born so i was actually born at uh Portneuf Regional Medical Center in Pocatello, Idaho. Nice. Mm -hmm. So
0: what was it like kind of growing up in a small town? Like what were some of your interests and hobbies, things you would do?
1: It was great. I mean, I I loved it. I I didn't even realize I was in a small town until, you know, somebody told me, yeah, you're from a small town. You know, it was just fun. You were always outside. I absolutely embraced the wintertime because we had the ski hill there. So since from the time I was six years old... I was skiing with buddies. You know, all we did was go hiking and hunting and fishing and uh, just kind of had that small town Idaho life. And there's just, you know, there's a lot of good people in the town of Income. It is a little bit secluded out there. So there's a lot of people kind of doing their own thing. But uh, I kind of felt like I I embraced that. I I had pride in that, that we were kind of out there by ourselves and I had my brother and he was kind of my best friend and you know to this day he's still you know my best friend he was my best man and so you get to form that relationship with your family because you're kind of forced to in a way so I I I embraced it I love I love living out in income.
0: yeah that's awesome just having that small town feeling like you said it's kind of just all you know at that point so don't even really know what else is out there. But I know that it is close to Pocatello, which, as you said, is kind of like the big city. So did you ever envision yourself moving into the big city?
1: Well, what had actually happened was I grew up in Income, going to Income Elementary School. And then Marsh Valley, which is kind of a farming community, um, was the district I was supposed to go to high school in. But my dad made kind of a pivotal decision for me in my life to take me from Marsh Valley which was a smaller school and transfer me into Pocatello to Century High School which was kind of the big city for me. A much bigger school, much bigger population, much more competition sports-wise.
0: Were you able to get involved in the sports that you kind of wanted to move there for as soon as you got there?
1: Absolutely yeah I, I like I said I really wanted to play basketball. I had the total, you know, football player, linebacker physique, but in my head, I thought, oh, no, I'm a basketball player. I don't, I'm not a football player.
0: Because did you play basketball, like, in uh, the small town?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. no, and I, I loved it, and I was not a talented athlete whatsoever in any sport, but, you know, once I was able to take that risk to go to the larger pond and be the small fish. I think that's what kind of raised the competition level up. And, you know, if, if you want to play with these guys, you better step up. And I think that's kind of that's kind of life right there. Like, if you want to play up, you need to jump in. You need to be a part of that um, bigger group. Even if you're not sure you can do it, you know, always say yes. That's kind of like, you know, always say yes. Always jump into a bigger group. But... So I wanted to be a basketball player, and that friend of mine, Tucker, he was a basketball player, and he was awesome. So I kind of, you know, followed his lead and was involved in that. I did track because in the off season, I always – my dad, being a physical therapist, was like, Sean, in any sport, speed kills. If you got speed, you got an upper hand on people. So even me being, you know, a 215-pound, 16-year-old linebacker, I was out there trying – to run the 100 meter, trying to run the 200, trying to do those things because I, you know, my, again, I trusted my dad and the fact that he had my best interest for me and, you know, he was right, you know, getting that speed was, was a critical factor and being able to play on. Yeah. And I
0: just think it's so cool that a lot of life lessons, you really learn them in like some of those sports and athletics, and you don't even necessarily realize that you're learning some of those lessons, but they are really things that you can kind of carry on with you. And so, do you feel like that's where you've learned a lot of, like, your mindset as a kid growing up?
1: Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, having a big brother or a sibling always helps with that. Somebody who's older, because from the beginning, if your big brother lets you play and hang around with his friends, first of all, don't sit around and cry or whine (laughs) about anything or else you're going to get called out and not invited again. So, you kind of have to harden yourself that way a little bit, you know, and then, You know, the competition level is more than what you're used to. You're not, you're, you're playing against kids who are three years older than you. So I think it helped a lot to have an older sibling because I felt like I was always playing up. And again, here comes inclusion around again. My brother included me with his friends, even though it might not have been the cool thing to do, but the fact that he allowed me in that group, I was able to play up. And then when I went back down to play against people who are my age, I was like, this is a cakewalk. This is easy.
0: Well, you're lucky he was that inclusive, because like you said, a lot of siblings, they don't want their younger sibling included. It's not cool to have them around. I know my sister hated me around anything that she did, and I felt the same way about my little sister. It's just... Yep. That's more of the norm than them actually including you. Don't
1: get me wrong. That was not easy. I, <laughs> I did not. It was not an open arm invitation. There were fist fights. There were, you know, blood on the basketball court. Yeah. This is, I mean, I, I got to give them a little bit of praise, but I took a couple punches to the face in the meantime.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So did you continue with all three sports all the way throughout high school or did you eventually kind of settle on one and focus on it?
1: I faded with track because I'm huge and I hate running. <laughs> and I just, I disliked it completely, it was just like an off-season way to train. Uh, Basketball, I played all the way through, loved it, and then football around uh, my sophomore, junior year, I kind of tapped into the fact that um, my secret weapon was the weight room. I was not talented at all, I was a little bit fast, and I had a, a pretty good body size but when it comes down to just x's and o's or pure talent i had none but none you had the
0: work ethic
1: none the the weight room was my secret weapon once yeah. i started to look around in there as like a freshman and seeing all these guys hardening themselves literally making themselves you know strong stronger bigger faster every day i was like okay this is my in i can do this i i can outwork people for sure i right. know i know i can i've done it but you know the fact that I had that outlet and was able to move to the bigger city and have that you know, great weight room, great coaching staff, great support staff, I think that's where I kind of found my niche. And I go, I think I can make this happen now. Yeah. I think I can do this.
0: Yeah. Well, so many people aren't willing to outwork other people. You know, They're willing to just go off their skill and their talent and just kind of see as, how far that takes them, but not – maybe put in that extra work to make them that much better and so that's cool that you say that maybe you didn't have the best talent but you were able to outwork people and I think that will carry you so much further in life and across all aspects so since I know you were able to outwork some people and then actually go like you said play um, football in college right Mm -hmm. so what did that look like for you was were you preparing as if you knew you were going to college to play football
1: yeah, I think of at some point I had a college coach who, you know, and you don't, I feel like as a kid you don't, I was never thinking about that. That was not the goal. I was trying to, you know, be an alpha male and and be the best dude at, in the weight room, on the field, you know, studying plays, whatever that may be, whatever that might look like. And then one day out of the blue I had a coach say, you know, you could play after high school. And it was like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm th- I'm still in the income mindset, you know, put your head down and go to work. Right. And so the fact that somebody again gave me a little bit of faith and said you know, something simple, like, well, aren't you, aren't you putting any tapes together for colleges? Aren't you thinking about this? And then I had an ally who was, um, at Century, whose name was Coach Fleshman, and he put together some tapes for me. And I mean, that changed everything. He started talking to coaches and then it started to become a reality very quickly. Yeah. And so then now I'm a 17 year old kid, making a decision on where i'm going to go to college you know they're dangling the carrot of a scholarship in front of me you know are you trying to go to montana are you trying to go to out of state and then i remember as as a little kid going to my first idaho state Bengals game and i thought i was watching the nfl Mm -hmm. they ran out of the you know the tiger the the bangle head and the crowd went wild and i was like i remember being, gosh, I would I would love for someone to give me that type of admiration when I entered the field. You know, these guys look like warriors. This, is, this has got to be the top level. So being from Pocatello, I had a lot of pride in accepting that, you know, scholarship and opportunity to go on and play for Idaho State.
0: Yeah, that's cool that it was something that you saw as a little kid and then you were kind of able to live out that dream as you got older.
1: Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome.
0: And how was it once you got into football in college? Was it a harder, like a different level of work ethic, would you say?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think initially even getting on campus and going into the dorms, being a white kid from Incom, Idaho, I was not cultured whatsoever. And now I'm being put in a dorm room with uh, this Samoan kid from Long Beach, California, who turned out being my to be my best friend all the way through college I love this guy his name is Jeff Tua we live together you know we we spent every day together and then my other buddy Isaiah who's from Redlands California you know we're here's a 17 year old white kid a black kid and a Samoan kid and we're immediately best friends so I more than anything, I feel like what Idaho State did for me and what football did for me was put me into a melting pot of cultures that I thrived in. I loved hearing about, you know, what these guys did growing up. It was completely different than my path. And, and I was so, you know, interested in that. Oh, you guys did this. You ate this type of food. You do this type of thing, you know. And so I think that's one thing that, that is overlooked. With college athletics, it throws you into a melting pot that that you never thought you'd be involved with. And and early on, you know, I'm nervous. I, I I'm I'm the kid from Idaho. I'm I don't think I have the skills that all these guys have. But once you finally lock in and take that confidence you had in high school and apply it, and just understand you're playing the same game and you're the same person, right. then you can dominate.
0: Yeah. Well, that is cool. I've never thought of it that way. Is it? just being from a small town i'm sure just opened your eyes completely to there's so much more out in the world than i've ever known would you say that was kind of your first time that you realized that you came from a small town or had you like kind of seen like noticed that while you were there before
1: i think coming into college football i wore it like a chip on my shoulder cuz i always felt like these guys are coming from this big city and they're coming you know to my hometown you know i'm going to show them that Idaho also has a little something to them. And honestly, it was probably more for me in the weight room initially because I really didn't get the ball rolling on getting playing time or being a contributor until about my sophomore, junior year. I was was the captain of the team for my junior and my senior year, but the ball really didn't get rolling until about end of sophomore year when I finally had some confidence and I kind of hit that breaking point like, Okay, I'm playing. Yeah. Next, I'm 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 playing with these guys. It doesn't matter what I have to do. I'm I'm going to play with these guys.
0: What do you think it was that really instilled that within you at that certain time in your football career?
1: Oh, I remember the exact play. Yeah. I, I remember the exact day in practice. I was done. I was done being put on the sideline. I was I was sick and tired and I was ready to make a stand and just I had hardened myself and made my body strong, but it was time for my brain to catch up. And we were in a drill, and I said, forget the drill. I ran straight through the cones and blasted somebody, and then I started calling people out. <laughs> and it sounds like such a bro alpha thing to do, but honestly, it was my breaking point. Yeah. And, and and the coaching staff noticed, and, and then from there on, I kind of got that opportunity to take that feeling, bottle it up, and then you know, every Saturday kind of let it out.
0: Yeah. Like you said, you were just at your breaking point. You had so much like built up energy that you're like, this is coming out one way or the other.
1: Absolutely. And that was
0: able to kind of carry on with you for your junior and senior year.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I started both years and, you know, did great. I I was all conference. I, I, was a defensive end at that point. Cause I had gained some good weight. Like I said, the weight room kind of carried me through my entire career. And, and I had again, physically, mentally, and emotionally kind of hardened myself to the point where, you know, I was, I was going to do what I had to do to get on the field.
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. Cause it just really shows you like the power of your mind. And like, if you like what you think, like you can think it into existence, speak it into existence, like what you feed your thought and your brain is so important on how you carry out every aspect of your life so it's cool that you were able to recognize that and say like enough is enough like i'm gonna tell myself i'm gonna make it and i'm gonna be on that field and then you did it
1: amen i mean that just reverberates to what you're doing in this podcast you know positive perspective podcast is literally an affirmation that today i'm going to do it whatever it is i'm going to do it
0: right yeah absolutely Well, so you said football kind of hardened you up and everything. So how was that transition going from building that masculinity, that toughness, and then transitioning into the real world?
1: Very hard. (laughs) Extremely hard. I think everyone who has been in that, you know, violent realm for four to five years and has been told and reaffirmed that violence and Uh, productivity on the field and eliminating the opponent for all those years and having that weighing on you and hardening you for so many years when you transition into the workplace there is no more of that there's no you know susan from accounting didn't do this right for me today, I'm going to haul off and, you know, spear her into the fax machine. That ain't a thing. thing. Not Susan. (laughs) So so what I'm trying to get at is uh, in this point in my life, you know, I am in the workforce. I do have an 18-month-old baby and, you know, a loving wife, Carissa. So I think as a kid, I was probably pretty soft, and then getting into sports definitely hardened me and formed this core around me that uh, allowed me to, to be that hard person and have that productivity and that success on the field. And now I'm going into a process of fatherhood and being a husband that I need to soften my soul to an extent mm-hmm. because you can't be that hardened individual and raise a child the right way because if you you haul off and you scream at them you're going to have guilt Mm -hmm. and if you you know are violent in any way i can promise you you're going to have the worst worst extent of guilt you've ever felt so those two things you know hardening in the real world is is not going to benefit you as much as maybe softening your soul a bit when you make that transition mm-hmm. but that transition takes a long time i think there's there's a lot of introspective thoughts that need to happen for me there's a lot of heavy meditation you know things that make you kind of look inside and go okay what are you trying to produce in your marriage or your your life as a father and how do you get there And for me, it was, you know, softening my soul, trying to find a way to pull back, ground myself, and break that core that I had worked on hardening for so long.
0: Yeah. Well, you said that definitely having your son really opened your eyes, but would you say that you even felt that before you had Harvey, that that was something that you needed to do just for your marriage or for your job or in any aspect?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, Again, you, in a workplace, you need to be caring to not only whoever, whoever patient base, or I work in physical therapy, so you know, I'm constantly working with different patients and people who are in pain and people who need strategies to reduce their pain and get back to their normal life. And that's no place for somebody that is violent, aggressive, judgmental, you know, so all those things and having that job has probably kind of forced my hand on softening myself, which I love. I know I want to, I'm, I'm open to that process. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, in the workplace, first and foremost, absolutely have to do it in a marriage, you know, absolutely have to soften yourself a bit and put that ego to, Kill it. <laughs> death of the ego is the best thing I can, I can say. Yeah. And furthermore, 10 times when you have a child, death of the ego, you have to kill that thing off sooner than later. You are a part of this selfless machine that is your family and you, your agenda, your routine comes second. Yeah. You are raising a child, you know, you're raising somebody, the future generation, and they take precedent every time. And a hardened core that only believes in certain things and cannot bend is not compliant with that whatsoever. So, yeah. so softening myself, again, helped in that process.
0: Yeah. And like you said, in regards to just like your job and your career, you're a natural helper in that sense. So it almost just kind of forced you, I'm sure to soften yourself. And then like you said, as a husband, you have to do that. And then as a when you have children, you have to do that. So you touched that on that. You do some meditation, but how did you kind of get into ways to soften yourself?
1: I got to give almost full credit to my good friend, israel ramirez who now goes as izzy shenandoah and he is a a spiritual healer he is a sound healer he's a native american friend of mine that grew up around the um, fort hall reservation right outside of pocatello he and his brother actually travel around the world literally continent to continent i don't know how this kid goes where he goes he couch surfs and he makes jewelry but he's one of the most interesting amazing introspective people that has ever had uh influence on my life and i think any of our friends would probably say the same thing about this guy i honestly think he should be on this podcast at some point but is he really kind of Came to Boise one time, and I think he had just got back to Brazil, and he 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 invited me to this sound healing. I don't know what sound healing is at this point. I'm like, what is what is that? I, sound healing? I don't care. He's my buddy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, support him in this. So I go to this place, and they look like they just got done doing yoga, and everybody's down on their mats, and and I'm kind of just you know getting out of college football and trying to figure out where am I going with my life and everything and and we sit down and for 15 minutes Izzy leads us in breathing exercises and I'm so uncomfortable and all these people are breathing around me and I don't know why I'm here or if I should be here and then we lay on the ground and Izzy and his brother proceed to take out 15 to 20 instruments we lay down and Izzy's brother Adam takes us through a guided meditation and i think that was the point where i actually looked inside myself for the first time and realized what a tool meditation can be to calm myself because i was very high anxiety i'm i i usually don't come off that way but I definitely have a very high anxiety and I can be a little bit manic at times as well. And so, again, just like I found the weight room to harden myself, when he exposed meditation to me, that was my tool to soften my soul. That was this the same thing. I, oh, my gosh. I found another secret weapon. <laughs> you know, I found it. And so Izzy's up there playing eight instruments at one time. He's playing the drums, he's playing the didgeridoo, he's playing the flute at a three-tone pace, and and I'm like, this is amazing. And and Izzy was a football player at one point too. So at some point he had to kind of soften himself to say, No, now I'm a, a sound healer and a jewelry maker and, you know, let down that guard. And so seeing him do it, seeing his brother do it they kind of led me into being okay with the fact that, okay, I think we're going to turn the page and there's another chapter of life coming your way now.
0: Yeah, and just kind of going back to like, it just takes one person that can completely change your life and open your eyes to a whole different aspect or different part of the world that maybe you never explored before. So after that moment, were you able, was that something that meditation became a part of your life and something to help calm you?
1: For sure. I think even more now because I'm a father and Harvey wasn't a sleeper when he was a baby. And so I needed to implement those strategies heavily to keep myself grounded and not just overloaded because I wasn't getting any sleep. Carissa and I were getting pretty irritable with each other. And so, you know, there were certain affirmations that I would go to on a daily basis to kind of set my intention for the day and because i had those strategies in place i wouldn't break as often as i i would like but i'm still doing it it's a journey you know i'm still a a violent visceral reacting person why'd this happen what's going on with this but i think i'm starting to sway towards the other way but it's taking a lot of active work. It's not just yeah. happening, you know. It's on
0: mindfulness, it's absolutely, being fully aware of okay, like I'm feeling a little heated in this moment. What are some strategies I can do right now to bring me back down? And I mean, that's gonna happen if that's your natural state. Like that's okay. That's just a part of you. But again, just the, the this again the key to life or the secret sauce is having that mindfulness and that mental strength to fully almost take yourself out of the situation like you're kind of viewing it from a different perspective to be like okay I need to do this right now in order to calm myself down
1: absolutely I completely agree with that that's um that's definitely something for me it's it's a path and I'm like I'm crawling on the path right now I'm not even I'm not even standing so I hope someday I'm running on that path but I'm not there yet like even today you know thinking about, I woke up thinking about the podcast and I had some anxiety, but luckily enough, you know, you were open enough to meditate with me before we started recording here. And like I said, that's like a shower for my brain. That's like, okay, I got all the dirt off. Now I can actually talk and make sentences.
0: Right. Well, that's honestly how it felt for me too. I've never done that before a podcast and I could probably count on my hands the amount of guided meditations I'm done, unfortunately, because it is such a peaceful time to just really get like in tune with yourselves to relieve all that stress and anxiety because I feel that same way too when I go into a podcast. And I think it's something I'll always care with carry with me to some extent. and I think it's a good thing because it means that you're kind of excited and nervous about things. Um, But that really helped. And I could actually see that being something that I would start doing before all my episodes, because it just brought a certain sense of like peace going into this.
1: Absolutely. Because, you know, you're you're well versed in this, but you're you're figuring it out at the same time. So, again, it's just a strategy to kind of clear the room, clear our heads. And then, you know, everything's a little bit more organic going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Sean, just so much just for sharing about your life, all the different phases you've gone through. And I think this one is really cool, just like you said, the process of softening yourself because I don't think a lot of people, let alone men, really take the time to kind of look at that and recognize that that might be something that they need to do. So I just applaud you for sharing that with people and I hope other people hear that and maybe think that that's something they could look in themselves to do. So it was awesome. Well, moving on to the countdown question game, the 4-3-2-1. So to start off, do you like to binge more TV shows or movies?
1: I'm definitely more of a TV show person. If anybody really knows me, they know I watch the weirdest cartoons, and I'm, I'm willing to stay up till 3 a.m. in the morning to watch the super weird Adult <laughs> Swim stuff. It's the best. If you have a chance, set your DVR. I'm going to throw a couple out there. Mr. Pickles, who is a satanic dog, who is uh, always going after his family's grandpa, and he has an underground layer underneath their house that no one believes the grandpa; they think he's just senile. But the dog is literally satanic and like slicing heads off in the town. It's amazing. <laughs> the other one I've been watching lately is uh, Brad Neely's Hargsculpin Pepio. That's what's real- the title. Brad Neely's Harg Narglin Sclopio PPO. What? That's really what it's called. Anyways, it's amazing. It's just like little shorts of small cartoons all put together, and it's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Obviously, in the room I have, the room we're in right now, I have my Mr. Pickles Poster up, and then I have my heifer from Rocco's Modern Life. So even even the old '90s ones, I'm big into Rocco's Modern Life, Doug, all of that stuff. <laughs> I miss Doug. Mhm. Rick and Morty is an obvious one. I mean, I think everybody's getting Classic. privy to that. And then uh, Super Jail, that's another one. I mean, I could go on forever. I'm a big cartoon guy.
0: That uh, is so funny. Well, like Sean said, guys, we're at his house right now recording this, and in the room he has a bunch of different posters of all of his favorite cartoons. So. I just thought that was the perfect question. <laughs> um, do you prefer oceans or mountains more?
1: Mountains. Mountains is the answer for sure. Uh, Sawtooth National Forest is my f- maybe one of my favorite places in the world. Definitely my favorite place in Idaho. But I do have a special place in my heart for the beaches because my wife is from Mission Viejo, California. And we'll go up to San Clemente, Laguna Beach, Huntington Beach, and and. We have such a good time there as well, but Sawtooth National Forest, I'm going with mountains. Yeah.
0: I feel like you guys are either in the mountains or at the ocean is what it seems like. (laughs) Uh, Do you like cats or dogs more?
1: I'm a cat guy, and I'm going to get roasted for this because (laughs) all of my friends all have dogs and everybody's a dog lover. Guess what? I am not. (laughs) I am a cat guy, and it's weird, but I grew up with... uh, Three cats, Obadiah, Goliath, and Bijou, and uh, my dad was always into cats. I don't know why. He he never really wanted us to get a dog, but all of our cats were outdoor, badass, Idaho winter cats, so they were always just eating whatever bird or rat they could find, <laughs> and I always liked messing around with the cats.
0: That's awesome. Why don't you guys have any cats?
1: I think we need to get a cat. Okay. I think it's going to happen soon. Carissa, being from California and the sweetheart she is, she's like, I will never allow a cat to go through an Idaho winter, but that's what garages are for.
0: (laughs) Compromise. I like Mm -hmm. it. And then finally, pizza or tacos?
1: Pizza. I'm a huge pizza guy, and I think Boise is very good for pizza. Um, Wilder downtown, Tony's. We got Red Bench up here. I just my dad is a huge pizza guy. I do have a, uh, a a come from an Italian family, and so my dad likes to cook a lot of pizza on his own, and he tries his best to make the thinnest, crispiest pizza he can. But every time he comes to Boise, we pretty much take him on a pizza extravaganza tour, and so pizza is a big deal in my life. I bet we eat pizza once once a week.
0: <laughs> I'm jealous. I need to eat pizza once yep. a week. <laughs> Um, moving on to the thoughtful three, what is your favorite place that you've ever traveled?
1: Bad Medicine Lake, Minnesota. It is where my grandparents built with their own hands a cabin that we went to every summer growing up. My grandpa Harvey was a very thoughtful writer, poet, but also very good uh, carpenter, and so they built that that cabin for my entire family and we had so many amazing summers there and uh i actually named my son harvey after my grandpa harvey who built that cabin on bad medicine lake in minnesota
0: that's awesome that's super special um do you think a hot dog is a
1: sandwich (laughs) this question is random and i love it (laughs) A hot dog is a sandwich. For me, a hot dog is not a sandwich.
0: And why is that?
1: I think because on a sandwich you you can put your you kind of got your straight up meat, cheese, bread, maybe some condiments. On a hot dog, you can load that some bitch with so many condiments, you can just you can spread the whole top of it off. And you're eating it in a longitudinal way. Okay. And so it's not such the process of the square conformity. You more have this mound that you're just shoving into your face. So I don't think we can put it as a sandwich.
0: But what if like you had a Subway sub that's more of a eating it in the longitudinal Uh way. And then also you have the factor of Uh a peanut butter and jelly is also a sandwich. You know, it's not like the meat and stuff.
1: Whoa. So my
0: thought is... Starting with the definition of a sandwich, you know? And to me, I define a sandwich as two pieces of bread and something in the middle, you know? Because like I said, it could be okay. a peanut butter jelly, it could be your turkey cheese. Okay, so you're saying there's, there's there can
1: be variants in sandwiches too. I shouldn't put the sandwich in a box.
0: Right, right. So okay. that, that's my thought is by definition, I think you can argue a hot dog is a sandwich but by just, like, thinking about a hot dog, I don't think a hot dog's a sandwich, if that makes sense.
1: I'm with you. I think that that's my initial reaction was, right. I like, don't think it's no. a sandwich. Yeah, there's no way. I don't no think way. it can be put in that. No.
0: So, yeah, I've always been fascinated by that, and I thought you'd have a good explanation, so I appreciate that <laughs> debate. <laughs> yes. Um, and then finally, do you have a bucket list item?
1: My bucket list item would be to go back to Minnesota someday and buy the cabin that my grandma and grandpa built and you know it's going to take a lot of money to do that because that area has turned into an area that is very expensive and that that cabin was sold at one point to somebody who I think I could have contact with if I really tried (laughs) and so Almost kind of doing it for my dad because I know that that kind of broke his heart when it was sold. But a bucket list for me would be to go back to Bad Medicine Lake and buy that cabin back from whoever owns it.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. Um, top two. Who would you say are the top two either most positive people, influences, or inspirations in your life?
1: I know it sounds kind of like a cop out, but uh, Carissa Renee. Lego Rutten is definitely one of those. I always tell her when I first met her, she might have been, you know, trying to soften me a little bit more before I even realized that that was a thing. Because what drew me to her is that she never agreed with me. She would look at everything literally at a 180 the way i looked at it and i would bring a situation to her why is this happening what's going on and she would always start with well have you thought about it this way and i absolutely never did i I, it was it was something that was like whoa these conversations are the type of conversations i need to be having so yeah. keeping her around, she still does it to this day. You know, we decompress after a long day. And some days we just need to phone out sit on our phones and not talk at all. But other days we actually go into things. And I think that's what makes her such a great um, speech language pathologist and working with kids with autism is that she not only listens well, but she brings up certain topics and looks at things in certain ways that I don't think other people do. And so it's very thought-provoking to me. Yeah. Um, the other one that I would say is uh, Mike Shashesky the coach for the Duke Blue Devils. He's uh, obviously had a lot of success in his life. And so I don't care if you're talking about basketball, life, family, whatever it might be. The guy has had super success coming out of Chicago, being a poor kid, poor Polish kid. you know, His mother was a big influence on him and really gave him a lot of good perspective as a kid. And he's wrote so many books, one that I'm reading right now that's called Leading with the Heart. And it's just strategies for life. It's not even about basketball. But that being said, I think that's how he runs his program. And I think it speaks volume. To the fact that communication and commitment to a goal and bringing your whole team family group whoever it might be along with you on that journey is so important and uh, I think Mike Krzyzewski has been a good leader that I've never met but would like to meet someday
0: yeah well you're lucky to one be surrounded by someone like Carissa every single day that gives you that kind those kind of conversations in your life and then to have someone like Coach C that you can look up to and feel inspired by and read his books and hopefully take a little piece of him and make that a part of you. So that's awesome. And then the final question, what is one positivity act that you can challenge yourself and others to do this week?
1: Well, I've thought about this one a little bit, and uh, I think it's more – my philosophy on how I look at things, i like I said, all these people I've mentioned in here, I try to take like you know 10% from this person, 7% from this person to make up what is my 100% and what essentially is probably my core values and morals. But for me on a daily basis, I think the number one thing I would recommend to folks is putting an intention to your day every day because especially right now with everything that's going on if you can't compartmentalize you're not going to be able to be yourself throughout the day you're definitely not going to be able to be present and so having some sort of intention on the day i think is critical and for me the strategy that I use is that I no longer listen to the news or the radio on the way to work. People probably pull up to me at stoplights and say, this guy's talking to himself and it's insane because he's very animated and he, and, he, and he looks a little mad or he's very happy, whatever it might be. He's maybe having a manic fit. I don't know what it is, but simply what what I do is every day, I ask myself five questions to bring intention to my day so the number one question is why did you wake up this morning and I try to be as specific as I can but simple try to make it one sentence why did you wake up this morning the second one what are you thankful for what around you on your daily basis are can you be thankful for and then what would make today a good day? Because we all say we want to have a good day, but what does that mean? So I try to get really specific with myself and explain. You know, I want to be caring to patients. I want to have open ears to co-workers issues. I want to, you know, support Carissa and Harvey, whatever that may be. So what would actually make today a good day? Who can I help today, which is huge in healthcare. You have to be open to empathy and And helping people and putting your care to the side for that 10-hour shift, which is big. So you put a little bit of intention on who can I help today. And then the final one, which is probably the hardest, is what do I love about myself today? Which is really one of those look in the mirror things. You know, I'm literally looking in the rearview mirror going, okay, do you like your nose? Do you like your eyebrow? What do you like? But when it comes down to it it's kind of nice to be nice to yourself in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, that that last one really hits home. All right, you know what? I do like the way I look today. I like, you know, I, I like the way I approached that conversation with Carissa last night. And I, I like the way I I played with Harvey last night and he made me smile. You know, you got to tell yourself why you love yourself, even if sometimes it might be pretty hard.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you do that. And that's definitely something I'm going to have to practice because... I think if you can start your day off like that, if anything might start to go astray, you can almost be reminded to think back to, okay, what did I think about this morning? Like, why did I wake up this morning? Who am I going to help? And just kind of keep your day on track with having a good day and following through with that intention. So that's really cool.
1: Thanks. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sean, just for coming on. Um, And I just realized we didn't, unfortunately, even get to touch on to talk about how you have been writing children's books lately. But I do want people to know that you have been writing children's book. You have two out right now, correct?
1: Yep, it's actually three. I have uh, one that I wrote for my buddy Tucker, who was uh, the guy who really helped me make that transition to the big city. And that one's called Viv's Ball. I also have another one that I wrote called, Do You Believe in Karma? And then the third one that I wrote and dedicated to my son Harvey is Harvey's First Bug Bite. And they're all available on Amazon. If you just search Sean Paul Rutten, S-E-A-N-P-A-U-L-R-U-T-T-E-N, you'll find them. Go get them. Go look at them. One of them, the Harvey one's about camping, the karma one is about inclusion, and Viv's ball is just kind of a special one I did for my buddy.
0: Well, I think it's so awesome that you've been doing that and just sharing those messages with people about things that you've learned through your life, things that you've learned through your own kid, through other people's kid. So it's been really fun. We have two of the books and the illustrations are amazing in there. So you guys go check it out on Amazon and I think you'll really enjoy it. So to close up, Sean has a little something special for us.
1: All right. Hey, sorry, Rance. I got your girl in the basement, and I'm reading a poem to her. Get o- get over it. <laughs> get over it. So I wrote this poem for Rance and Tara. It's called The Cakewalk. And I know that uh, listening to Tara's podcast, you know, it kind of made me... You know, swallow swallow my throat a few times because I, I was also kinda taken aback by the fact that they had to postpone their wedding day. And I can feel that pain. I could feel the pain in the podcast. And I I, I truly believe that we will still have an amazing, amazing day. And it's going to happen. We will. So anyways, the cakewalk is kinda kinda based off of that. So here we go. Cakewalk by Sean Paul Rutten. This getting married stuff ain't no cakewalk. So many things involved, it feels more like a bake-off. Times, dates, travel, all the logistics. Makes you think, could we be too ambitious? No, you are not. You are strong and you're bold. You've found your mate to love till you're old. But turn on the news and the world's turning cold. And now someone's told you to put it on hold. But take a look closer and realize with ease A year from now we'll keep that same energy. Love is abundant, it's plentifully, and then comes the sermon provided by me. Life has a way of taking the upper hand, and at first there's no way you can quite understand. Where's my best friend, and where's the best man? Exhale your breath, there's a master plan. You have a great man to stand by your side. Made you climb over snowbanks, now you're his bride. Waiting hundreds of days, just part of this ride love will prevail preserved on the inside just another boulder to sidestep in the road so take a deep breath and do not overload life is a journey this is one episode now let out some steam try not to explode a line full of friends wanting white claws and whiskey a dance floor of smiles and folks getting frisky you'll still cut your cake and you will have your dance but the only ingredients you need are Tara and Rance.
0: Oh, my goodness, Sean. Yeah. That is awesome. I had no idea that was coming. When you said you had a poem, I thought you just wanted to like leave people on an inspirational quote. But that was so kind and so thoughtful and so personal to us and all the details about everything that just aligns with us. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. It's going down. a year from now we're we're gonna get it done. It's gonna be an amazing day.
0: It will be. It'll happen. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Like Sean said, you can find him on either Instagram at Sean Paul Rutt, correct. Mm-hmm. Or you can look for him on Amazon with his book. So please check him out and support him. and thank you, Sean.
1: And support Positive Perspectives podcast.
0: <laughs> Was that not the sweetest poem ever? Oh my goodness. When we were chatting before we recorded, he told me that he wanted to end with a poem. And so I just thought he had a sweet poem he found that was relative or something that would warm people's souls. But I had no idea he had a special, personalized poem written out for Rance and I. So thank you, Sean. You have no idea how kind that was. I would like to formally request a copy of that so we can hang it up somewhere and just remember this enjoyable cakewalk we've been on through this journey. But besides that, I really think that Sean just had so much great insight to share. I love how he's just able to be himself through it. You guys could just hear his personality coming through the mic. He's such a fun guy. But inside of that, he also is such a thoughtful, caring friend, father, husband, therapist, like, all of it and I know I said at the beginning of the episode but I'm definitely going to take some of what he shared today especially some of those questions that he kind of starts his day off with I think it's just such a great way to get your head in the right space to kind of set little benchmarks for yourself or goals because once you either speak it or write it into existence it is so much easier to kind of follow through with it so I hope you guys will try that with me So thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you guys have a fantastic week ahead and just remember guys to keep spreading positivity because I truly think it's contagious. Love you guys. Hey friends, thanks so much for sticking around and listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you enjoyed, what topics you'd like to hear, and it would really mean a lot to me. Episodes will be released every Wednesday. And you guys can also find me on Instagram at Positive Perspectives Podcast. Thanks, guys, and tune in next week for another dose of positivity.